Greetings. This is Eric Miskell with EMS Now with Dita Weiss of Informa. Dita and I have been reflecting on our tour of the EMS industry in the UK last week, and we wanted to kind of summarize some of our thoughts before we move forward into different parts of Europe, because I think the UK is a kind of a distinctive market uh, that bears some, uh, some special discussion. I'd like to start by saying, and Dita, you can help with this too, you know, we're talking about the EMS industry, but they don't like being called EMS necessarily, right? Don't they prefer the, C, what is it, C? CEM, Contract Electronics Manufacturers. Yeah, that is uh, what you hear most of the time, um, and that is different to the mainland, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, and that's not just since Brexit that has been um, the main wording for their industry for quite some time. Okay, good to know. So... We don't want to insult them, so we want to refer to them properly. So, Dita, well, start big picture. Tell me about kind of size and overview the the UK uh, CEM business. Yes. Well, uh, in present, we are talking, uh, if we look at now uh, at the business in Euro, uh, we're talking about a, a market, uh, or not a market size, a production uh, volume of 2.33 billion um, euros, uh, which uh, nobody in the uh, uh, United Kingdom cares about because they want to know it in in, the UK, uh, in British Pound. And uh, yes, uh, if you look at the chart uh, in Euro, it's a roller coaster. Uh, and that is due to the fact that uh, uh, the exchange rate to the Euro has... Uh, had quite some up and downs, uh, and therefore, uh, if you look at it in uh, in British pounds, we are talking about uh, uh, nearly uh, two billion British pounds in revenue, and that equals about four and a half percent of uh, the total European uh, manufacturing volume. Mm -hmm. uh, if we then look at it uh, from the amount of companies and uh, uh, see, this number is, is never right. It's always changing. Uh, and we are talking about uh, uh, legal entities uh, in comparison to, um, to companies. Uh, at the moment, we have about 2,200 legal entities in uh, Europe um, doing uh, EMS or CEM work, uh, of which... Uh, those 2,200 belong to about 1,860 uh, companies. So, uh, in the UK, uh, last year we had 193 uh, CEM companies, which uh, equals uh, about 8.8% uh, of all European uh, companies. So, they have more companies, um, a higher company share mm -hmm. in Europe, then they have a revenue share, which means as well, it's a, uh, it's an indicator, an indicator that they have more smaller companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at that, uh, uh, those 193, uh, by the way, uh, last year, are now only in 2023, only 191 because two left the market. We talked about that uh, on the podcast yesterday, uh, that uh, 
Fabrinet uh, left the market in March and there was a, a very, very small uh, uh, two-people business mm -hmm. leaving the market earlier as well. So it, we're talking about uh, 191 companies now. Oh. Let me ask, though, because one of the names that came up as we've been traveling around that was kind of new information to me was Sony. So what we have here is Sony in the UK is an OEM that is selling capacity and doing EMS work. And we also, I spoke to a gentleman at the IPC meeting this week whose business is he, he helps to uh, uh, EMS companies um, effectively sell capacity, but he helps, uh, he helps OEMs to, to place orders with, uh, with some EMS. And he represented eight EMS but also to OEMs who were selling capacity. So that's an issue within the market as well, right? Uh, yes. Well, uh, uh, Sony uh, is still manufacturing in Wales um, uh, a lot of broadcasting equipment for BBC and uh, uh, general purpose uh, uh, markets. Uh, and on top, they are very well known for manufacturing the Raspberry Pi. Mm. And uh, that is a classical uh, subcontracting work they do for another company, uh, which makes them <laughs> in part uh, a contract electronics manufacturer. And um, they are going out. I saw them this year uh, at the electronics show in Farnborough uh, in February. Uh, in addition, they have been at Hannover Fair in Germany mm -hmm. uh, as well, and there they mm -hmm. were actively uh, trying to market uh, their contract electronics mm -hmm. manufacturing share. Yeah. And then as far as the biggest, if, of the big names, you know, I don't think there's any of the classic tier one kind of, but I think the largest we were talking is <clears throat> Plexus has facility here, and of course, um, USI, who owns Astiel Flash, is a what eight billion dollar entity themselves. Uh, so those, I think, would be not by revenue within the UK, but overall corporate size. Let's take Sony out of the picture <laughs> for on this one. Yeah, um, those aren't those the biggest, or am I? Well, um, uh, definitely, if you look at the overall revenues. Right. Uh, and in this case, uh, uh, when I talk about overall revenues, I still only talk about UK factories. So uh, in this case, uh, we are talking about Sony mm -hmm. and Ultra Electronics uh, being the two biggest uh, companies. By revenue derived in, in the, the UK. UK. Yeah. Okay. But both companies do not only have contract electronics manufacturing, they have a lot of other stuff as well. Okay? So they are very big. Uh, then comes Plexus, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, <coughs> Plexus in uh, 2021, which is the last uh, number they published, we're doing about 88 million euros uh, in revenues in the UK. Uh, and then comes uh, um, Pectron uh, uh, with about 66 uh, million in revenues. Uh, so those are uh, very big uh, uh, players, uh, and then we have uh, Surface Technology International yeah. STI with uh, uh, about 60 okay. uh, million as well. So those are as a big uh, players. Okay. So, yeah, and when I look at, now we only visited six, although we heard from several more at the IPC meeting this week. They, um, 
generally speaking, this is lower volume, higher mix, more complex products, smaller run rates. What are the primary sectors that the industry serves in the UK? Well, yeah, that is is very interesting. Um, um, first of all, due to the lot sizes we saw, you can say there is two big market segments. And one um, we all know uh, is airspace and defense, which is a, a, a very strong market for the UK because they have a very strong uh, airspace and defense market. Uh, and... Uh, such uh, products are outsourced over there. Uh, for example, if you look at Germany, uh, we have some defense industry as well, but uh, they don't outsource uh, mm. a lot. Yeah. So um, in the defense industry, uh, the electronics are uh, uh, subcontracted in the majority in the UK and in France. So that is a, a big market in UK. It's about uh, 20% of the total uh, um, subcontracting uh, of electronic products um, and the bigger one for sure is industrial electronics because it's mm. high mix low volume yeah. so those are the two uh, uh, big uh, market segments uh, over here in the UK whereas on the other side the automotive share is not that big yeah? mm. um, and uh, I think that's advantageous because if you uh, do the analysis uh, of uh, analyzing their profit before tax, and that's what we are doing as well, we are going into detail uh, a lot to, to find out what the differences are. And I've shown that last year on at the IPC meeting uh, that uh, compared, for example, to Germany, uh, on average, uh, the UK EMS companies had a 2% higher uh, uh, profit before tax than Germany has. And that is simply due to the fact that they have different market shares uh, and maybe as well that the lot sizes are smaller with better margins than what uh, people do in Germany. What impressed me too was the companies we visited, even though they may be serving a global brand, it's all coming through U offices in the UK. Exactly. Um, um, see, when you go into the annual accounts of uh, the companies in the UK, uh, in, uh, you uh, see as well uh, their export rates. And uh, um, I think at the moment the export rate is definitely higher. Uh, the, um, the local market is more than 90%, and the export is relatively, uh, relatively low. And... Mm. Um, uh, I haven't done, uh, uh, I haven't uh, have the latest results in my head on, on this one, but I think, uh, as far as I can remember, uh, there is even more export to the United States than there is to, to Europe, mainland. I, I, that comment was made this week, that is familiar, so <clears throat> whether you made it or somebody else, I, I don't quite recall. Um, let we everyone we met with we asked about the challenges right what are the challenges to your business material supply chain has been an issue for years so of course that's that's top of mind with a lot of people or one of the top ones uh, the general consensus here seems to be these challenges persist uh, inventory is still too high 
but things seem to be working out. The the uh, material supply chain is starting to kind of normalize, for lack of a better term. And it's funny, several of them even said, you know, uh, a lot of brokers are starting to call them saying, you know, do you need anything now? Um, yeah, uh, on the uh, inventory side, uh, uh, again, we have to differentiate uh, uh, what semiconductors are needed, and we are still talking about a, a, a lot of microcontrollers which are in in need, and the main uh, uh, market for that is the automotive industry, and uh, the automotive industry is not that strong in the UK, mm -hmm. so uh, they uh, feel uh, a much higher softening of uh, this inventory stress, and uh, if you look at their numbers, uh, yes, we are still talking about inventory levels of uh, 33 to 35% uh, raw material inventories uh, of uh, the annual uh, revenue, which is <laughs> definitely uh, right. uh, too high. It's 100% uh, too high. It should be half of that. Yeah, uh, But they're working on it, and uh, I think they have less a problem than some other countries in Europe. Yeah. On top of that, um, their challenges are, for all of them, space. Yeah. Uh, wherever we went, uh, they were limited in space and they either had just added uh, additional facilities um, to uh, expand mm -hmm. uh, or they were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and some of that's just the packaging material, right? How big that is. Uh, yes, we with one company we even saw the containers outside where That's they right, store yeah. the the packaging because they didn't have the space on the floor anymore, yeah. And uh, then yes, recruitment is is uh, still a challenge as well. Uh, even so, uh, one company mentioned that uh, it has softened as well in regards mm -hmm. uh, to getting qualified uh, people, not necessarily from the shop, for on the engineering yeah. side. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the 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 workforce issues continue. Two comments on that. One, because we we asked. What's unique here, one of the unique challenges in the UK is obviously Brexit, right? And that that's had an impact on, on workers coming into the country. And it's also added some complexity, bureaucracy to to the, uh, the shipping uh, side of it, especially with uh, shipping product out. The comment I found interesting, and this was from the IPC meeting the other day, <clears throat> was uh, one of the EMS said, you know, we kind of got lazy, right, with on workers. We should have always been going into the schools, going into the university, developing those things or, or those lines of, of future workers. And we're having to do that now. So we're kind of playing, I'm summarizing, but they're having to play catch up now, uh, which I, and then we heard some stories of some, some success in doing that, some programs that are starting to develop. Uh, the one lady in, in the audience at the IPC talking about her example and what happened. So there was definitely uh, a movement now to try to recruit and make engineering and uh, electronics manufacturing recognized as a career path within the country and trying to attract people to it. Uh, yes, definitely. And we talked about uh, that as well, that IPC is helping uh, a lot uh, uh, in this respect with uh, their specifications, with the training, and uh, we saw this uh, as well. Uh, um, I think it was Sanjay uh, who showed uh, the 
the slide where it said uh, that um, the IPC has the third highest count on uh, members in the United Kingdom, uh, which is very positive, and it has uh, the second highest count uh, for IPC certifications. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, IPC is is pushing uh, that uh, a lot to uh, get uh, more people certified and. Uh, uh, that is uh, in line with the slogan, make electronics better. Yeah. And we did, <coughs> we should say overall, the, you know, the economy within the UK faces challenges. Uh, we had a good presentation at the IPC event by Sean Dubravik of the uh, IPC's chief economist, uh, giving some, some information on that. Um, but despite that, everyone we talked to was very optimistic about the future of the industry, the potential for this industry to continue to grow? Um, yes. Um, and I have to admit, I still have to think about uh, all the reasons we heard, because uh, uh, I want to compare this to, to the rest of Europe. Uh, I'm a little worried uh, uh, in regards to the rest of Europe, but maybe that is... Uh, due to different market segments, due to different uh, uh, lot sizes, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and uh, different structure of, of that. Mm -hmm. yeah? So um, it's going to uh, remain interesting to see what, uh, how the UK market develops. And actually, after the IPC meeting, I already got um, a couple of mails with um, further invitations uh, from UK contract electronics manufacturers uh, who said, well, next time you're in the UK, please come and visit us as well. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, we were only able to get to six this time. We had a few more scheduled, but uh, some, some difficulties uh, arose that didn't allow for all that. So we, you know, we... We stuck our toe in the, in the shallow end, so to speak, right? We yeah. didn't. We didn't. But this is what it was allowed. And uh, but I think that um, we're also reflecting on some general trends that I think are valid. And I think that uh, there's some. Listen, I'm leaving the UK impressed with what I saw, uh, the enthusiasm, the knowledge base, the capabilities within the industry. Uh, I see a potential for that to grow, even if it's just shifting from box build to more. You know. Uh, excuse me, from PCBA to more box build mm. uh, in some cases, th that's growth. Um, there seems to be an entre entrepreneurial spirit that we heard about <clears throat> with people developing products. There were a lot of examples of products that we saw being built in these EMS that came out of, in some cases, university students um, who, uh, who had an experience and, and had an inspiration and created products. And uh, so there's certainly that spirit of development uh, that continues here within the UK. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, there was, uh, I would like to finally mention this, uh, one issue on, on the PCB manufacturing, because we talked about oh, that yes. as well. I uh, showed uh, the development of the European PCB industry from 2000 to 2023, uh, in regards to revenue and in regards to number of companies. And uh, uh, that is worrying. And we uh, talked with companies, uh, and specifically when we talked with companies with a higher 
share of airspace and defense. They normally do source uh, their PCBs locally, and they are worried because uh, um, it's not just standard uh, double-sided plated through-hole uh, uh, FR4 boards, no. We are talking uh, about very complex boards, um, uh, rigid flex boards, high layer count, um, mm -hmm. uh, very dense circuitry and all of this. Uh, and uh, for the contract electronics manufacturers, it is getting difficult to find sufficient supplies uh, in the UK. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that issue uh, uh, we will probably hear uh, the coming week in Munich uh, by uh, uh, other uh, CEM manufacturers as well. Yeah, yeah. And the other issue that struck me was wherever we went, you know, people are aware of their competitor companies, but also say, yeah, we don't really interact with them very much. And uh, and then at the IPC meeting, the, the one of the themes was developing that community more, having more interaction within the industry so that they can, can maybe in some ways do some sharing of best practices or even maybe advocating together uh, for some of the changes and, and issues that they would like to see addressed within their country. Well, uh, normally um, such uh, discussions, uh, exchanges and meetings uh, is a typical issue that should be uh, handled by associations. Uh, yes. But uh, what we have seen lately in Europe in general is that uh, uh, a lot of associations, uh, uh, to say so, are out of their mind in regards to what their objectives uh, are, uh, and they don't understand uh, the uh, objectives of the industry anymore. And uh, uh, it is not that IPC is, is pushing to jump in, into this gap, but... Uh, if the companies uh, ask IPC to jump in, I'm pretty much sure uh, IPC will uh, be in there and uh, try to help uh, the company uh, to, with uh, a common uh, 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 working together, to to uh, be better. Mm -hmm. Now, well said. Yes, and um, let's wrap this up. I do want to. You know, say a couple of thanks before I f end. First of all, I want to say thank you to the EMS companies that allowed us into their facilities this past week, who shared their time with us, gave us facility tours, and uh, were willing to share their opinion on, on issues and trends with it, and challenges within their industry. Um, I would say we will be pro uh, publishing... A profile on each of these uh, CEM companies on EMS Now in a month or so. So you will have profiles on each of those companies. Please go take a look at them there. And then in closing, I just want to say thank you to the sponsors that we had for this particular tour for EMS Now, those being CalcuQuote, Micronic, and Trusted Parts. Uh, through their generosity, I was able to come over here and partner with DITA and tour around and uh, do these industry reports for you, which I think adds good insight and value. So definitely thank you to CalcuQuote, Micronic, and Trusted Parts. Uh, encourage any of those listening, if you don't know much about them, go give them a look and uh, reach out. So that's it for now from uh, Southern Germany. This wraps week one.
and we begin our adventure again next week. We are here for two more weeks, so you will definitely be hearing more from us. Uh, now we get to relax a little bit, do some laundry, and uh, get ready for the adventure next week. Thank you all, and I should say, um, Dita, I appreciate you driving us all over the UK last week. I it was scary a couple times, but uh, you were uh, you handled it where I just know I would not have. We would have been in at least a couple of accidents because my you stuck to the left. Uh, my trend would have been to drift right uh, a few times, and that would not have been a pretty sight. So, so thank you for for your kindness and uh, you know you chaperoning me around. Yeah, well, I got some past experience by living in Southern Ireland one and a half years where they are driving on what we call the wrong side yeah. of the road as well. So yeah. uh, it wasn't that difficult for me. My favorite part, by the way, was the pissed off motorcycle guy who came after us. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Though, yeah. so. <laughs> so anyway, that's it for us. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye bye.